Uh, may we be seated, please. And Dr. Eon Paisley is the moderator of the Free Presbyterian Church in North Ireland. This church is a breakaway from the Presbyterian Church of North Ireland, which is, of course, the large Protestant church in that country. And Dr. Paisley is building churches, opening new churches. People are coming out of the apostasy. He's been crying out against the World Council and also against the Romeward trend, as they call it over there, the reunion of the Protestants with the Roman Catholic Church. And because of his protest, he spent three months in the Kremlin Road prison, as they call it. And as you know, I went over and visited him in the prison. He's been here, spoke here at a rally in an earlier time. And uh, his church is a part of the ICC, one of the 122 denominations. And he today unquestionably has the greatest single influence of any single preacher in the British Isles. Anywhere you go, everywhere you go, this man gets the crowds and he deals with these vital issues and he's leading the Reformation of the 20th century in his part of the world. So without any further introduction, I present to you our friend and our beloved brother and a fellow sufferer, Eon Paisley. I'd like to say, first of all, how happy I am to be back here in the Collingswood Bible Presbyterian Church and of this opportunity of preaching the Word of God to you. It is always great and encouraging to a fellowship with those of like precious faith and also to be associated in the great stand that your minister takes throughout the world for the cause of God and truth. I know in certain places your minister is unpopular, but I know that in Britain those that look for leadership look gladly across the ocean and rejoice in the great work that he is carrying on here and throughout the world. My church had the privilege of having Brother Nasser and Yusuf from Pakistan with us in our evening service, the other Lord's Day evening, and we rejoiced in the encouragement and the strength that your pastor was to them and also the churches here was to them in their battle. It's a great thing to a fellowship with those who stand true and faithful to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rejoice personally in the leadership of Dr. McIntyre and in his clear-cut call for separation from apostasy. And we rejoice that in our land God is giving us a break in the apostasy. At the moment we're building the largest Protestant church ever to be constructed in the British Isles. And God is bringing people in droves, literally in droves, out of the apostasy. And we are building churches. I just finished a campaign outside Belfast with Brother William Beatty, whom some of you know, and we're commencing a new church there. And the ground that we're on in a new housing estate belonged to an Irish Presbyterian, 
an ungodly man who doesn't know Christ. And he came and gave us this ground. He said, our ministers have no message. He said, I'm not saved myself. But he said, I want a church built here that preaches the gospel. So we bless God for what the Lord is doing. And we trust you will remember us in your prayers. Keep a corner of your prayer for Ireland. It needs the prayers of God's people. Now I want to speak tonight upon two verses from the Word of God. If you have your New Testament, if you would turn to John's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and a bold not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Then another verse in Paul's second epistle to the Corinthian church. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13. The 13th verse of the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. My subject tonight is a rather startling one. I have called it the devil's triplets. The devil's triplets. The devil stands opposed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole confederacy of satanic evil stands in bitter opposition to the preaching and the power and the plan and the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The God of this world, the scripture tells us, has blinded the minds of them that believe not the gospel. Let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine into their heart. Satan hits the glorious light 
of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Now if you look at the gospel of Christ, you will discover that the gospel of Christ is a revelation. It is a revelation, first of all, of the law of God. The law of God. And that, of course, emphasizes the truth of God. The law of God emphasizing the truth of God. The gospel is secondly a revelation of the love of God. And that underscores and underlines the grace of God. And then the gospel is thirdly a revelation of the life of God. And that of course underscores the mighty Spirit of God who works the life of God into the heart of man whereby they become partakers of the divine nature and possess the glorious experience of regeneration. So we have the law of God Underscoring the truth of God. We have the love of God. Underscoring the grace of God. And we have the life of God. Underscoring the regeneration of God. Rod and hearts by the Holy Ghost. Now the devil has fathered three things. In order to oppose the law and the love and the life of God. The devil, first of all, has fathered the lie. Now you turn to John 8 and verse 44, and it says that the devil is a liar, and the father of it. So standing opposed to the law of God and the truth of God is the devil's lie. He has fathered the lie. He has brought forth this son of his bosom, which is the lie, in order to oppose the truth of God and the law of God. Secondly, the devil stands opposed to the love of God. And the love of God, of course, underscores the grace of God. What is the grace of God? The grace of God is the revelation of Jesus Christ in his person and work to provide for man his righteousness that they might be justified from their sins by the obedience and bloodshedding of God's Son, that they might have imparted to them imputed righteousness. Justification, says the catechism, is that act of God's free grace, but he pardoneth all our 
sins and accept of us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Now the devil stands opposed to the love of God, the grace of God, in providing man with perfect, spotless, immaculate righteousness. And the devil has fathered something in order to oppose the righteousness that comes through the love and grace of God. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we read there that there is set up the devil's righteousness. The devil has fathered a great deception, and Satan himself has been transformed into an angel of light, and he has produced as an angel of light. What has he produced? He has produced ministers of righteousness. Yes. So Satan has fathered the great deception, a deception of a false righteousness, a satanic righteousness, a counterfeit righteousness. That's the second of the devil's triplets. Then have a look at this last one, the life of God. And the devil has, stands opposed to God's life. So the devil has fathered murder. And if you turn over again to John chapter 8, you will discover that the devil is not only the father of a lie, but the devil is the author of murder, murder. He was a murderer from the beginning. And so he has fathered murder in order to kill if that were possible, the very life of God applied to the hearts of men. So we want to look at these triplets this evening. We want to look at the lie. We want to look at the deception of a counterfeit righteousness. And we want to look at soul murder. What Satan wants to do is murder the souls of man and woman. Now the law of God has certain things to say about man. The law of God, as we have seen, is the truth of God. And the truth of God reveals four things concerning man. It reveals something about his origination. Where did man come from? And we turn over to the first book of Moses. And we read the story of creation. And we read that God made man of the dust of the earth. And that God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul fashioned in the image of God. Man is no 
Christ of the field. Man has a living soul. And he has been directly created by God himself. But the devil comes along with the diabolical lie of evolution. And he tells man that they are just the offspring of the beast. And this teaching leads man to live like the beast and to wallow in the beastly activity of those whose hearts are corrupted by sin. Read the first chapter of Romans and you read what happens when man worship God after the similitude of four-footed beasts. And you will discover the religion of the beast. And the Antichrist in the book of the Revelation is named by this title. And so we have the beastly religion of this day. I don't know how they are in your country, but we have people in our country, and you wouldn't know what sex they belong to. When you see them passing by, you would say, well, is that male or female? And now they have, they have come so low that you have to ask, is that human or is it animal? We are going down into the choir of the beast. My friend, let me tell you, your origin was divine. God made man. And the God that made you demands accountability to himself. And sinner, one day you'll stand before God. You may try to quiet your conscience and drug your soul and deceive your intelligence with the devil's life. But this book tells me that man was made in the image of God. Man is an accountable being and you'll stand one day to give account of yourself to God. But the truth of God tells me something more. The truth of God tells me not only about the origination of man, the truth of God tells me about the degradation of man. That man is fallen. That man is lost. That man is undone. That he's a poor, guilty, ill-deserving, undeserving, and hell deserving soul. If you have your New Testament in your turn over to the book of Romans, you will read there the great indictment of God against the human race. You'll see there the corruption into which man has come. Verse 11 of Romans 3, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their 
tongues, they abuse deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose life is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That my friend describes your nation and my nation tonight in the pit of their degradation and their depravity. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But the fear of God is not upon the people. And the Bible and the truth of God reveals the degradation of man. My friend tonight, you're not at all pleasant looking in the eyes of God. There's nothing to commend you to deity. You're stemmed and soiled and scarred and marred and darkened and deceived by sin. And your just deserts are the flames of eternal hell and God's wrath forevermore. From the sole of the foot to the crown of the head there is no soundness in man but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They haven't been bound up nor mollified with ointment. But the devil comes along and says, Don't believe the Bible. Man are progressing. What a progress. What a progress. Certainly they're progressing to the pit. There is no doubt about it. Certainly they're on the downgrade. Certainly they're going farther and farther into darkness. I wonder, have you believed the devil's lie? Do you think by the washing off the waters of baptism you can put away your sin? Do you think by the robes of church membership you can gain an entrance into God's heaven? Do you think deceived by the devil's lie that your righteousness will carry you through the gates of the eternal city of God? All and tonight God's truth and refuse to be deceived by the devil's lie. The degradation of the race, the degradation of the human breast and heart and conscience and soul is clearly revealed in the word. But the Bible says something more about man. The Bible teaches the utter condemnation of man. That man is not willing to be tried and to be found guilty. But man is already tried and is already declared guilty before God. My friend, the sentence is passed. My friend, the trial is concluded. My friend, the death imprisonment has commenced. And you tonight are in the prison of your own sins and you're under condemnation in the prison cell by the order 
and the righteous just decree of the thrice holy God that sits upon the everlasting throne. Men are condemned in this book. But the devil comes along and says, there's no such a thing as condemnation. That's just a guilt complex. You have not to worry about what these Bible preachers say about condemnation. Nothing is condemned. You can do anything you like. The law of God, there's no such thing. Eat, drink, and be merry. Live any way you like. And all will come all right in the end. That's the devil's lie. And there's many a pulpit preaching the devil's lie today. And there's many a poor soul deceived thinking that they're all right when they're all wrong. The Bible teaches the condemnation of man and the devil's lie today tries to overthrow God's truth concerning man's condemnation. I was preaching some time ago in one of my tent campaigns. I'm preaching all the time. That's all I am. I'm just a preacher. And I preach every day in the week and four times every Sunday. And I thrive well on it. Trouble is I have to go on a diet to keep from getting fat. So preaching must fatten you. And uh, I was preaching in this mission. And God was saving people. And after the tent finished one evening, I saw a man come through the door of the tent. And I have enough experience to know when a man comes in in the attitude that this man had upon his face that he was in for trouble. So I put one foot forward and the other foot back and I said, well, I'll be ready when the trouble comes. And he walked right up and he looked right into my face and he said, how dare you preach the way you preach to me tonight? Well, I said there were quite a few people, I suppose three or four hundred people at the service. I said, I didn't know I was preaching to you personally, but mind you, if the cap fits it, you wear it, and I have no apology to make. He says, I'm an Irish Presbyterian elder. I said, well, we'll not hold that against you. <laughs> and he said, I never heard such talk. You said you could be a church member, you could sing in the choir, you could teach in Sabbath school, you could be an ordained elder or a deacon or a minister and go to hell. I said, no, I didn't say that. I said, the Bible says that. I said, I've got a book here. Well, he said, my minister and I'm his best friend. And he never taught me that. Well, then I said, your minister was your worst enemy. For if he was your best friend, he would have told you the truth. Now, I said, just before we come to the Bible, I said, you're an ordained elder. He says, I am. I said, did you ever hear of the Westminster Confession of Faith? He said, yes. When I was ordained, I said I believed it. But he says, to tell you the truth, Mr. Paisley, I never read it in my life. Well, I said, I'll read some of it to you. Indeed, I'll quote it to you. So I went over some of the great doctrines expounded in the Westminster Confession of Faith. And then I took the proof text from the Bible. And this man started to get his eyes opened. And he said, well, if you're right, he says, my minister's a villain. 
I said, that's right. I'm glad you're calling him by his proper name. That's exactly what he is. And he said, if you're right, I better get saved. I said, you're talking now. So we knelt down and that man confessed his sin and he got gloriously and wonderfully saved. And he said, I'll be at the minister's parsonage in the morning. I said, you'll have a wonderful time. So the next morning before the old lazy modernist was out of bed, this fellow was hammering on his door. And the minister come down very sleepy looking. And he said, John, what are you here so early for? He says, I'm here to talk to you. He says, what's wrong with you? He says, I got saved last night in Paisley's meeting. And I have a few things to say to you. And he really went for that minister. He said, do you think? He said, I played cards with you. I drank with you. You led me to hell. And you never preached the gospel to your people. And he said, thank God I found out I was lost and that Jesus could save me. Oh, that tragedy, tragedy of it, my friend. That men don't realize that they are condemned. I was preaching in Jarvis Street, Memphis Church, some time ago. And that night we had a Presbyterian minister from Jamaica found out that he was a sinner. That he never had been born again. And praise God he got gloriously saved by the grace of God. And he said to me, I'm going back to my people to preach salvation by the blood of Jesus. Oh, that you would realize you're condemned. But thank God there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Now, Dr. McIntyre has timed this sermon. I would need a calendar and not a clock when I'm preaching. But I've got to keep to the time. We're coming to the fourth. This is only the first point, and I have three points and a lot of subheads as well, but we'll have to hurry up. We have the condemnation of man in the book. Then the Bible teaches the damnation of man. Yeah. The Bible talks about punishment. Now, that's a very unpopular word today. They don't believe in penalties today. You're put in prison to be reformed. I said to the, the governor of the jail I was in, what do you expect to do with me? I said, I'm already reformed. I believe in the reformed faith. So I said, you're not going to be able to reform me. Oh, he said, we would like you to go home. He says, here's a little bit of paper. Just sign it and we'll let you out. He says, I, I'll never sign that. He says, I'll tell you what you do. If you sign it, we'll never tell anybody you signed it and you can go home. He says, I, you must think that I'm a rascal like your own minister. I want to tell you, friend, when a man is born again by the Holy Ghost, he lives straight, he acts right, he's honest. Don't like penalties. But my friend, with every law, there are sanctions. You couldn't run this country. If there were not penalties for broken laws, you would have anarchy. And my friend, the law of God stands by its sanctions. And when God says the Christ rejecter will be damned, God says what he means, and he means what he says. There's damnation for Christ rejecting souls. 
If you have your New Testament and you turn over to the book of the Revelation, you'll find there the strong and terrible words of God concerning damnation. Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the fearful, is that you? You're afraid to go saved because of what your neighbors would say about it. You're afraid to be saved because of what your friends would say tomorrow. The fearful and the unbelieving. Believing and receiving are the same thing in gospel phraseology. But as many as received him to them give he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. You haven't received Christ. You're an unbeliever. And look at the bunch that you're with. Have a look at them. You respectable church people tonight. Have a look at this unholy bunch that you'll be with in hell if you don't repent and seek the Lord. The abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. The devil comes along and said, there's no such a thing as hell. There's no such a thing as eternal punishment and infinite woe. My friend, Jesus Christ said where their worm dieth not and their fire is not quenched. I believe Jesus before I believe the testimony of man. I believe the one who was truth incarnate before I would accept the devil's lie. You believe in the devil's lie. Think everything's all right for eternity. The lie. The devil has fathered the lie. I'll tell you what else the devil has fathered. He's he has fathered deception. And this is a strong scripture. I didn't write this scripture, or Dr. McIntyre didn't write it. The Holy Ghost wrote it. And this is what the Holy Ghost says. He says that Satan has turned his ministers into ministers of righteousness. There's one thing you need if you're going to get to heaven, friend, and it's righteousness. Only the righteous can sweep through the gates of the New Jerusalem and stand in that place where no sin can enter and where all vileness and iniquity is eternally barred. I'm glad tonight I can tell you, friend, of the perfect righteousness of God's dear Son. Over 1900 years ago, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God's eternal Son took into union 
with his deity, impeccable humanity, by the miracle of the virgin birth, one person with two natures, the God-man, the only redeemer of God's elect people, prophet, priest, and king. And he came to do something. He came to magnify the law and make it honorable. And the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled for his people every jot and tittle of the law. He obeyed every commandment. He fulfilled every precept. He obeyed every decree of the law. He didn't destroy the law. Praise God he fulfilled it. And having fulfilled God's holy law, he offered himself without spot upon the cross. An offering to God, a sweet-smelling sacrifice to Jehovah. Yes, wicked man took the Son of God and crowned him with thorns, tore the hair from off his cheeks, covered him with their spittles and nailed him to the tree and hung him up to die. But praise God, in that death was an offering all sufficient. In that death was an offering all meritorious. In that death offering, there was a price that paid forever the death of sin. And thank God supplied a positive righteousness that I might righteously enter into the inheritance of heaven. I'm not going to creep through heaven's door by a back entrance. The people of God are going through the front gates. Why? Because they have a right to enter there. Payment God will not twice demand. First at my bleeding surety's hand and then again at mine. The debt is paid. The price of redemption is completed. The blood has been shed. And my friend, there's a robe of righteousness for every man and woman who will accept it. A perfect, seamless robe. The death of Christ, like the figs that covered the king's boil, not only cleansed, covered the boil, but thank God they cured it. And praise God in the blood of Christ, there's both a cleansing and a covering for all who will believe in Jesus. But the devil comes along with his false righteousness, his ministers of false righteousness. And they say, this teaching of the blood, this preaching of righteousness, this talk about God's Son obeying the law and then offering himself as a sacrifice to put away sin. It's false. You don't need that. We'll show you a better way, a way of righteousness. And the man, my friend, that preaches against the blood of Jesus, I don't care who he is. I don't care what. Ecclesiastical position he may hold. This Bible says he is a minister of the devil. That's what he is. 
minister of the devil, ordained by hell with the credentials of Satan in his hand, sent forth to deceive men concerning righteousness. Thank God for every soul who can say, this is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And last of all, the devil hates the life of God. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God shall not see life. My friend, I want to tell you that the devil hates the doctrine that men are born again and the life of God is implanted in their heart by a mighty eternal transaction of the Holy Ghost within their soul. Ye must be born again. And if there's any doctrine the devil will fight, it's that doctrine. He's a murderer. He abode not in the truth. He sought to slay our first parents by leading them into sin. And my, he has slain his millions and his tens of millions. Are you going to let the devil slay your soul tonight? Are you going to let the devil take you down to the chambers of eternal death tonight? Oh, let me tell you that Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You can have life tonight, life that eternity cannot exhaust, life that hell cannot extinguish. The life that's hid with Christ and God, eternal in the heavens. Praise God, there's life in Jesus Christ for you tonight. The blood is the life. Thank God, there's power in the blood. Now, how do you stand tonight? Have you listened to the law of God? Have you experienced the grace of God? Are you a partaker of the life of God? Ask yourself now in your heart, is that true of you? And if not, praise God that can be true of you tonight. You can come. The Lord Jesus holds out his arms. And he says, come and I will give you rest. May God bring you to himself as my earnest prayer. God being my witness. Amen. Well, let's sing there's power in the blood. Power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Four forty-five. And let's all stand in and sing it now. There is power in the blood. Would you be free? from your burden of sin.
we've heard a straight, clear gospel presentation from the Lord's servant tonight. What you've heard here tonight is building the churches in North Ireland. What you've heard here tonight is building the churches in the villages of Pakistan. And what you've heard here tonight is what we must have to build our churches here and to carry on the work of the Lord. Your pastor has stood in this pulpit the last few weeks. On Sunday and I preached. And last Sunday sat right back there just as plain as days he'd been Sunday night after Sunday night was Mr. Lee. He's in heaven tonight. During the past week he was taken. Just a few weeks back, there was another dear gentleman always sat right in here about the third seat from up here in Levittown. He and his wife came. He was here Sunday morning, but the next Sunday he was gone, had a heart attack. 